Hello, I'm John Pollitz, Dean of Library Affairs at Southern Illinois University Carbondale and your host for Saluki Stories. In this episode, we will hear more from Dr. Michael Patinsky. Dr. Patinsky will be focusing on his new book, Forgetting the Forgotten, published by SIU Press in January 2022. This history of Jackson County, Illinois, looks deeper into the story of those often left out or forgotten when the official history gets written. Its relevance to the present conversation about history cannot be ignored. Let's hear more from Dr. Batinsky and dive right in. When I started this project, I was learning a lot about how I thought about what I taught, how I, for a long time, I've been rethinking that. And my own biography was, I was rethinking, you know, as suddenly becoming more acutely aware of the black side of, of Detroit and becoming aware of the same thing down here. The, all of this kind of melded together, you know, was melding together. It was a, a real learning experience. I don't think that I would have written the Jackson County history if I'd done it 30 years ago, anywhere near the way I did it now. Yeah. Just couldn't. It was just, so, you know, you know, it, it's it was it was it was a it was a, a deep learning experience for me as an historian. It was like uh, almost everything that I even learned in graduate school, I had to like put aside and rethink it. And you know, and my whole gener generation of historians were doing that at the same time. Yes. you know, the Black history became important. I was on campus when the first it was about two or three years into the uh, being here when the first black history course was taught in, on the campus. Right, and, yeah. And a colleague of mine, Betty Flatland, taught it for several years. And, um, you know, that was, that was symptomatic of the changes occurring here. Yes, yes. Yeah. It was yeah. A, that, that, yeah, as I say, 30 years ago, I wouldn't have done the book the same way. So throughout, it's like, it's like, uh, on the one hand, there's a story that I grew up with that a, a large part of me still believes in that I might call the story, the Jeffersonian story, built upon the idea of life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, the rights that are guaranteed to us all, and a belief in, indeed that that is the story of America. Well, yeah, and, well, Mr. Jefferson has been changed as well. Right, <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 you know, yeah. And, and that was only symptomatic. I mean, okay, now we know Mr. Jefferson in terms of his, or his attitudes towards uh, Black people and the story about Sally Hemings yes. and, and Jefferson. And it goes on from there. I mean, it, it's like a recasting. It's not rejecting the ideals that, of the Declaration of Independence, but recognizing that they have yet to be achieved. And then the question is, well, why weren't they so easily achieved? And that comes out in my book. Right. It's, it's like uh, the chapter on the Civil War, where you have white soldiers and black soldiers, gosh, 
for the first time in American history, fighting together. Yes, in separate units, but fighting together. And they have two very different, several very different, the, the white understanding of the Civil War, what it was all about, and the black understanding of the Civil War. And that came right back to Carbondale because it wasn't just white veterans who came home, who had been born, brought up in Carbondale, right. returned home, but it was also black freed people who escaped slavery, volunteered to fight in the war on the Union side, and afterwards came to Jackson County. And they had a story, which was yes. very, yes. very different than the white majority. And uh, I mean, their story was clear to them. The war was about a freedom. Right. Emancipation. Yes. yes. And uh, white America, not just Jackson County, so much of white America as in the decades after the war chose to remember it as more of a war between the states. But right. the black part of it just got forgotten. Just the, <clears throat> just the idea of calling it the war between the states. Oh, yeah. Oh, forgets yeah. a whole lot of stuff, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. And that... And that and that that was part of Jackson County's understanding too, because there was a white memory of the Civil War, and that was perpetuated in well, it came the movies came to Carbondale. There was Birth of a Nation, yeah, you know, which yeah, it's a silent movie which talks about uh, Reconstruction, the w decade after the Civil War as a terrible time in which blacks were given their freedom and they just went amok. And who saved civilization in the South, according to that movie? It was the Ku Klux Klan. You've right. probably seen the movie. It's sure. the end. The yeah. Klan rides into town just the way I remember growing up. You know, how many movies did I see where the Indians were attacking a settlement and at the end you hear the bugle sounding and, and, and the white cavalry comes, marks in, and everybody, right. yippee, you know. Well, yeah, that's the same yeah. story in Birth of a Nation. And it was perpetuated. And it, it did come to Carbondale. It was shown here. And people came to it. To, they, they loved it. And then there was Gone with the Wind, which is a sanitized version of that. Yeah. And I and my generation of white, privileged stu history students had to relearn everything and struggle. It was a struggle. In a lot of ways, I understand why there's controversy about teaching history in school today, because it is a struggle. Some people of some of our neighbors don't want to hear. And it was hard for me to hear right. the alternative narrative. It is a, it is a, I got a lot out of doing this book. I got a lot out of it. It, it was like everything that I had learned and then I, I needed to unlearn from my days in growing up in Detroit to moving to Jackson County, uh, you know, all that had all that learning and then unlearning uh, informed me when it came to writing this book. So there are a lot of footnotes, but there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of soul searching. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, and it hasn't well, ended, you know, for me. Right, right. Well, yeah. I, I mean, it, it was, 
I had to be like, what, 60 years old before I, I changed my mind about the GI bill. And, and after world war two, the, the ability to buy homes. Oh yeah. That was just, I didn't, you know, you, you, you know, my folks, they all benefited from that. And, right. you know, I knew about redlining, but I didn't know that it was that whole GI bill was just tainted. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's, it's like you're, you're, you're looking at these things and you don't, you don't know. We don't, we're, so yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's tough with, for all of us, you know? Well, there, there's another part to it. And I, and I really have to say you are eloquent in your, in your prose, your words are, are just wonderful and they paint a great picture and they tell a good story, a wonderful story. But I was, and I, you know, one of the things that I really don't think about too much or didn't think about too much was the native Americans here. And I think you do a wonderful uh, role, especially in that, the squares and lines, or I, I forget what the chapter's yeah. Uh, yeah. title is, and how that worked, and that how we for, how how that is a another forgetting the forgotten. Yes, it is, and uh, I came to realize that, um, like I start that that first chapter starts with people who are writing the first county history in the 1870s. Yeah. And I realized, looking at it, that they were beginning to grapple with the very issues we're grappling with today. Because the man who wrote that first chapter on the Indians in Jackson County writes in there that... Um, as, they, as he's looking at the mounds and everything else and the artifacts of Native peoples before the whites came here, he has to ask himself, uh, what happened to those people? And for a moment, he asks himself, did we, the white people who came to Jackson County, push them out? Well, that's a tough one yeah. because... Because Americans believed, as they learned the Declaration of Independence, that we were a people that had rejected colonialism, had rejected imperialism, and believed in self-determination. Well, if we believe those things, what did we do to those people who were here before we came? And that's a matter of conscience. And those and some of those people back then remarkably for a moment looked at that and they winced. They didn't want to look at it too carefully, yeah. but they had seen it. They had seen it. They had said, there's a contradiction here. Did we kick these people out? And if we kick them out, then are we hypocrites? And you know, they, in order to avoid that, the fact that our community was created by a bunch of land-hungry people who kicked the, the natives out. You have to rewrite right. the history. 
and you have to forget the the Indian, and you and you concoct stories about and that first chapter is is just really about that. We are going to forget these people. Symbolically, it's erased by the fair fact we named it Jackson County. Right, and Andrew yeah. Jackson, who yeah. was a, who made his reputation. The white right. citizens of Jackson County believed God love him because he fought Indians and killed them. Yeah. yeah. So we'll name this county after. <laughs> so <laughs> it isn't funny, but it is. No, like, it's, like, no, it's it, it is like it captures, you know, the, the, the continuing crisis that this country faces that at the, even at the very local level is the pervasive belief that those ideals of life, liberty, and rights, and pursuit of happiness are us, and then trying to square it with what happens here. And so, you know, uh, we're not special. But, you know, I mean, I I know my wife grew up in Effingham, just ah. not even, not even what, 100 right. miles north? Yeah, 100 right. miles north. Right. Uh, she talks to me, and it's like, okay, the names change, but the story doesn't. Right. The story doesn't. And uh, there isn't a place in this country where and we're not grappling with this, and that's why it goes to school board meetings today. Yeah. It goes to school. I mean, and it... And as I say, what's important to me, what I learned was that we're not we're not grappling with a new problem. We're grappling with a problem that people at the very beginnings of Jackson County were grappling with. Is how do we tell a story in a way that's consistent with our beliefs when in fact we've got some something else? And you know, that applies not only to Indians, but it also applies to blacks. Yeah. You know, it was it was difficult for uh it's difficult for us all I, it makes me feel it encourages me in a sense because it says that um you know the fights are are kind of going furious now but they're not new we're making step by step i felt it with myself relearning story of america since i was a kid growing up in detroit you know, I didn't even know in Detroit that it was segregated. It was so segregated that I really didn't know it was segregated. I would go to the department store in Detroit around Christmas time, especially. It was a wonderful place. And I remember there was a, a restaurant on the top floor, and I loved going to that place. I remember for dessert, I'd get these ice cream clowns. I did not know that, that J.L. Hudson's was segregated. If a black person came into that store, that person if it was a man, could not try on a suit in the clothing department. He was just asked to leave. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, it was like I had to see that there was this other side of that department store and so much else, you know, of... of uh, right, right. And I, you know, so I'm so, yeah. I. I I understand how painful it can be trying it can, can be for, for many of us as we as you said about the GI Bill it's a constant relearning thing story right it's a story you just have to keep re, we just have to relearn yeah yeah and you know, a lot of people don't want to don't want to face that 
Don't well, it's hard. Them. Yeah. It's hard. It's really hard. I mean, I mean, think about it, John. Uh, <laughs> you and I, in a decade or so, are going to be the minority, they say. Right, right. And that, it, that, that, that's what this is all about. It is, exactly. It, it is what is the identity of America? Right. And how are we going to struggle through this transition? <laughs> but, but, you know, when we, when we put our, our, when those guys put their names on that Declaration of Independence and made all those school kids learn it, um, that's when they created the problem. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It gave us, there's a conscience or, or whatever there. That's, that's it. Your, your point about the GI Bill is, is really important. <laughs> that, that's a, that is, it's only come, tr come home just very recently. Ex yeah. I, it certainly was for me. You know, I, I, I can't make a judgment about how SIU really treated people, but there's a long history, even, even back into the twenties with the uh, Dunbar society. Yes. Of African-American students here. And uh, I was talking to one person who went here. Um, uh, she, she said, uh, you know, she was here graduate in the late sixties, early seventies. And she said, we were like the, the, the creme de la creme. I mean, you know, we were a tight knit community. Yeah. We, we all went on, to, we were excellent. We all went on to big things and we right. had that group together and, and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. pretty amazing. Yeah, it was. And, uh, there were stories and I could only get a little bit of it behind the scenes administrators who were moving for change. And, right. and, and they had to deal with political issues, the relationship with the university, with the political system, yeah. which was I mean, pretty much forgotten black people. Right. And at the same time felt conscience, driven by conscience that uh, things needed to be changed. Charles Tenney was one of them. Yeah, yeah. Tenney Butchers. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, right, right. Yeah, it was wonderful when I discovered in university archives, there was that Carter's Cafe, what's on the cover of the book, The Boycott. Yes, right, yeah. It was segregated. And uh, there was a picket outside, and it went nowhere at the time. Everybody, you know, everybody seemed to ignore it, but Tenney didn't. He was assistant to the uh, president, Dwight Morris. Uh-huh. And uh, he, um, I came across in the archives that document in the Carter things where uh, he refuses to renew the lease to the Carters who, oh, they were renting this right. building yeah. from the university. And he just says, you're out. And then he writes a contract to uh, uh, some other people who are going to take it over, the restaurant over. And then it says, you cannot segregate. And that's right. it. That's the only documentation I ever found about what the man did on this score. And it's buried way deep in yeah, that. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> that's, a, that's a big issue for archives. What, what are we keeping? And fortunately, we kept that. And fortunately, you found it. Well, there's, the archives are filled with things. I went through almost all of because there are not that many, through the early 60s. 
there's quite a few blocks. Some of uh-huh. it I just yeah. where you where I got to appreciate really how exciting this place was and how things were being transformed. And um, it's like um, the project on campus to record local folk singers. You know about that? Yes, I do. I do. Yeah. It, in fact, the museum had a had an exhibit about that one time. Right. Right. And I came across this big box of recordings, reel to reel, big reel to reel recording. Yeah. You know, and it was a pile of them there. There, I think they were remastered afterwards. And these, um, the, the the faculty members were going out in the field and just listening to people and recording them, you know, yeah. and uh, that's largely, it's so easily forgotten. It's a great story. There's a book. Right. Those archives are filled with some great stories back there. If you can just dig through. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. it's pretty dull going at, at times, but it's right. there. Suddenly, right. Like the, 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 the change of lease at the Carter's uh, cafe. It was like, right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now, would you like to read a passage from your book? Are you prepared for that? I think I am. You asked me before. Yeah. You know, I think it's relevant to what we've been talking about. It's near the end of the book. And it's just before the schools in Carbondale are integrated. To this point, they're segregated. There's the attic school, yep. northeast side of town. And there are white schools. There have been attempts for several years to integrate the schools, but uh, to no avail. And here's where you we see the two narratives coexisting, but in separate and in separate worlds about what the country's all about. The narrative that's taught in the white schools and the narrative that black students are learning in, at attic school. Now white students were learning the story of reconstruction, which was like gone, like gone with the wind and birth of a nation, that the Ku Klux Klan saved white civilization in the South after the war, the civil war, by reimposing Jim Crow on, on the society. And, and by a reign of terror, it was necessary, according to that story, to, 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 to impose by force control over the blacks. And of course, that led to a lot of lynchings and so forth, yes. which was, well, that's according to that narrative. And it was read, it, students who, the textbooks that I read, I've picked up my old high school textbook, got that story. It was like, this had to be done. Then there's the other side of the street at attic school. And I'll read this. To me, it's beautiful because I just discovered this purely by accident. By contrast, students at attic school gave voice to a black historical perspective on the times. While their counterparts in the white school performed on stage in blackface, the drama club across the tracks presented Ethiopia at the Bar of Justice, 
The Attic students had selected Edward McCoo's play from several scripts created by Black writers for Black schools that deliberately confronted prevailing white understanding of African-American abilities and history. In the Attic's performance of Ethiopia, Robert Krim played Justice, a character who listens to Ethiopia debate opposition, who in justifying his oppressive behavior, twists biblical authority, effaces from history many a fact, and perverts public opinion to accept slavery and Jim Crow. Student Ruby Johnson as Ethiopia calls upon history to speak the truth. Africans have built the monuments of ancient Egypt. So you have right there this, this historical drama that's going place enacted by black students on the northeast side of town. And uh, what they're talking, they're, they're presenting to themselves and their fellow students a narrative of, of black history. And so I go on. The first slave, played by Philip Kendrick, enters and explains that though he lived in a primitive home in Africa, his morals were pure. Turning to opposition, the opposition being the person who defends Jim Crow in segregation, he charges that he had been robbed of everything but my faith in God. To the claim that African-Americans have contributed nothing to the advance of civilization, Crispus Attucks, black person who was one of the first to die on the eve of the American Revolution, Crispus Attucks enters and declares that I fell as a martyr to the cause of civilization in the Western world. The black patriots declaration notwithstanding, the slave of 1861 testifies that his, his people still labored to build the white man's Southern society. And he says, we felled his forests, we tilled his fields, we protected his home, we nursed his children, but received nothing in return. Thus in 1861, the slave heard God call upon, quote, his Moses, Abraham Lincoln. The story continues with a Civil War veteran declaring that, quote, when civilization was about to fail in America, Ethiopia saved it. To those who save, say that Ethiopia has done nothing for civilizations, veteran points to the 200,000 strong who fought for the union. And the drama goes on to, it's, it's really a dialogue between the white narrative that says, you keep your place, and the black says, no, and this is the true story here. Yes. And I think that's, that's, I, I didn't mention that, but there are many alums from Attic School, they're still around with us. Right, yes. Who uh, regret and say that there were prices to be paid for desegregation. And you get it right there, I think. Yeah. That yeah. Yeah, that was that play could not have been done in a white school or an integrated school. And what those black students were going to get is a textbook that told them that Ku Klux Klan was necessary to maintain civilization and order in the South. And too bad there were so many lynchings, but that was the necessary price to what does that do to a black student who reads that in a textbook? Right. 
Right. And you know, um, I guess right there we have what was going on today in the in public schools and yes. in school board meetings. It's a moving yep. point. Those yeah. kids learning a history that a few years later, their their youngest brothers and sisters wouldn't get at least in school. Yeah. It was a fun book to write. It was an educational book to write for me. And it's a wonderful educational book to read, too. Well, thank you. Michael, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your story. I am happy that we could learn more about your important book. We hope you all will join us next week for more Saluki stories. Until then, this has been John Pollitz, Dean of Library Affairs at Southern Illinois University Carbondale, and your host for Saluki Stories. Our production would not have been made possible without the contributions of radio, television, and digital media assistant professor of practice, Jennifer Payton, student editor-producer, Casey Avis-Rouse, and our musical production team, Austin Davis and Dakota Holden. Go dogs! <laughs>